0: Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 8 this morning? Luke chapter 8, we're looking at verses 22 to 25. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters the storm subsided and all was calm where is your faith he asked his disciples in fear and amazement they asked one another who is this he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him please keep your bibles open there I read in uh, one of Adrian Rogers' books uh, a funny story, well, it seemed funny to me, about a young man who was learning to fly in a single-engine aeroplane in America. And uh, he was having his uh, early lessons, and the time came in the the lesson to start teaching this young man about landing the plane. And the pilot said to him, uh, uh, and the instructor said to him, are you ready to go down? And the young man said, let's do it. And uh, so he handed over to him and the plane started to descend and the young man was uh, looking very calm and relaxed. And the, the the instructor thought this guy is incredible. Normally they're freaking out when it comes to the landing because it's the hardest thing to learn. And uh, he was very impressed at the the peace all over this young man's face. But when it came down, the plane hit with a violent thump on the ground, bounced fifty feet in the air, and then came down again, bang on the gr- runway, and then bounced again in the air and went along bouncing till it came to a stop at the end of the runway and the instructor turned round to him and said young man he said I thought you were doing so well but he he said I have to say out of all the years of instructing I have done that is the worst landing I have ever experienced by a student and the young man turned round and said to him me he said I thought you were landing the plane (laughs) well you know sometimes we do wonder who's in control don't we and uh, oswald chambers put it like this he said life is more tragic than orderly and sometimes the way life goes and the way the world goes it leaves us wondering who is in control well the bible makes it very clear that the lord is in control even in the midst of all difficult circumstances psalm 103 verse 19 says the lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all The Lord God is a sovereign God. He's called in 1 Timothy 6 verse 15, the blessed and only potentate. He is the one who rules over everything and the only one who rules over everything. And the Lord Jesus wanted to prove this to his disciples. And the best place to prove it would be the hardest place to prove it. And that is at sea. You know, being at sea is no fun, is it? I read this week uh, the uh, tragic story of the Penlee lifeboat disaster back in 1981, which some of you may remember, when the Union Star ship uh, got into difficulties because it got seawater into its engines, and they they thought they could fix it, but they didn't realise what the problem was until it was too late, and they lost power in the middle of a storm, and they hadn't realised because their radar also went down that they were drifting, and uh, in the End, they had to launch a lifeboat out to rescue them because they were coming closer and closer and closer to the rocks uh, off the coast. And uh, the, the Coast Guard could see on his radar what the problem was, but the, the ship's captain couldn't. And they launched a lifeboat out to rescue them, as well as a helicopter to get the... Uh, they had a, a lady on board who was a pregnant lady, a young lady, and, and, and two children, I think. And uh, they managed to get the woman and the children to safety, but they couldn't get the helicopter any closer because of the ship's rigging and the mast. And in the end, the lifeboat had to draw alongside... At one stage, the lifeboat actually got thrown up onto the deck of the ship. It was so severe. And it was known that because a reporter from the newspapers was standing on the cliff and he said, I saw everything, saw it happen. And they rescued the men off the ship and then they, they, they started to go away, go back to, to, to safety. And, uh, and then when the helicopter saw that and the Coast Guard saw that, they all thought, Phew, we're, we're out of that one. But as the lifeboat went away they realized there were still two men left on board that boat and they went back but unfortunately it led to a terrible fatality of both the lifeboat and the union starship and the lives of all were lost terrible terrible disaster and the sea is a petrifying place to be in a storm isn't it well here we see the lord jesus taking command of a storm On the Lake of Galilee. Now, the Lake of Galilee is in the north of Israel. It's about 13 miles long and six miles wide. And the geography of this lake means, because it's surrounded by mountains, that the winds blow in off the Mediterranean, and they get funneled down into the lake. And this causes a storm to stir up choppy weather on the storm warren wisby the bible commentator was taking a tour to israel one time and he asked his tour guide he said have you ever been in a storm on the on the sea of galilee and he said oh yes and he said i never want to go through it again it really can be quite a a, a rocky ride well it was in this situation that the lord jesus christ proved his his power over all things. And I think this is a good lesson for us to see this morning because many of us in our lives are going through things at this time which would be an encouragement for us to be reminded that the Lord reigns over all things and he is in command. So I want us to see as we think about this this morning, the saviour on the sea. I want to see the sending saviour in verse 22, the sleeping saviour in verse 23, the sovereign saviour in verse 24 and 25, And the surprising saviour at the end of verse 25. First of all, the sending saviour in verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. Geoffrey Dornan, uh, who worked for Lancashire Council, uh, wrote this in Reader's Digest letters page. He said, in my job with a local authority, I had to obtain signatures for orders from bureaucrats who appeared to have no idea what they were signing for. I bet I could buy an elephant through this ridiculous system, I declared. I bet you couldn't, replied my colleague. So in went an order for one 20-horsepower pachyderm complete with two meters of flexible trunking. Needless to say, it was approved. (laughs) Now, sadly, lack of knowledge is the problem for many human failures. But it wasn't the problem with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord Jesus said to his disciples one day, let's go to the other side of the lake. And by the way, the the phrase the other side is probably an indication of where they were going. On the other side of Lake Galilee, there was a place called Perea, which you might have seen on your Bible maps. And Perea means literally the other side. So it gives us a clue the direction they were going. And when the Lord Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake, he wasn't ignorant of the fact that that they were going to sail into the storm. That's something to bear in mind, isn't it? He knew what he was leading the disciples into. Now, it wasn't because he'd heard the shipping forecast, because obviously in those days they didn't have such things, but it was because he is divine, he is omniscient, he knows all things, and he is ruling over all. And therefore, he knew... What was going to be ahead of these disciples? And yet he said to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And his word was that they would go to the other side, which is a word uh, uh, they should have taken deep note of. We'll come back to that later on. So they got into the boat and they set out. It says there. Now, I wonder if they would have set out if they had known. They probably wouldn't have done. But the Lord Jesus led them that way. Because he was in control and he knew. And I want us to remember this because sometimes when we come into life's difficulties and challenges, we tend to feel almost like everything's out of control. And, and you know maybe even in heaven it's like an emergency meeting because things are happening that God didn't know was going to happen. It's not the case. It's not the case. The Lord sits on the throne and he knew what was going ahead as he sent his disciples across. This is something every missionary has to bear in mind as well. Sometimes when the Lord sends out his workers, like the Lord was taking his disciples to go across to the Gadarenes where the the man called Legion was to go and rescue him, uh, he knew that that man over there was going to need to hear the gospel. So it was a mission trip that they were on. Uh, But it's sometimes something missionaries have to bear in mind that they know that the Lord in sending them out could be sending them out into a storm. Some years ago, I read this book called Bishop Jim. It's the life of Jim Hannington, who was a a missionary to Uganda. And his journey to Africa went via Aden, and they had a very stormy, difficult journey where all the missionaries on board the boat were tremendously sick. And then when they got there, they were plagued by fever, they'd been attacked by rebels, some of them ended up being captured. And you know what, it would have been easy on this mission trip to think, well, you know, this was a total disaster. Everything went wrong. We shouldn't be here. But they knew God had sent them. And God had a plan. And you know, through that man's missionary work, he prepared the way as a pilot, really, for other missionaries to come and prepared even roads for other missionaries to be able to come and bring the gospel to that country. God was in control when he sent his servant that way. And we need to bear that in mind ourselves with the challenges uh, that we face. Sometimes when we're in a storm, it doesn't mean we're out of God's will. Sometimes it means we're in it. Sometimes it means we're in it. And sometimes it's because the devil is opposing what God is doing. Uh, I'm sure the Lord Jesus knew that because he was going across to the other side to to deliver this man from uh, the the demons, that the devil would oppose him. It's interesting in verse um, verse 24, in the second half, where it says he got up and rebuked the wind. The word rebuked there in Greek is the same word that's used earlier on in Luke's gospel for when Jesus rebuked the evil spirits in people, like in Luke 4.19. And it's as if Jesus is silencing the devil and his attempts here. So uh, uh, let's bear this in mind. The sending Savior, he knows, and we can rest in his sovereign knowledge. Second thing I want you to see here is the sleeping Savior in verse 23. Because it says here, as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Margaret Paxton of Eastbourne said this. She said, my family was discussing Latin at lunch. I explained to our seven-year-old son that his father's nickname, Pax, because it was an abbreviation of their surname, Paxton, means peace in Latin. I see, said my son. So he's Mr. Peace, you're Mrs. Peace, and that makes me the masterpiece. <laughs> Well, the Lord Jesus Christ was the master of peace, wasn't he? And we see that totally in his falling asleep in the boat, knowing ahead of what was coming ahead of, uh, of the storm. I saw a T-shirt once that said confidence across the front in big writings. And then underneath it had in small writings that thing you had before you understood the situation. And uh, sometimes that's, that's what life is like. We're at peace when we don't know. But the Lord Jesus was in peace knowing full well what was ahead. And so he fell into a sleep. I love that it says he fell uh, because the other gospel said, uh, says he was asleep. But this says he fell asleep. Now, he'd had a long day preaching and ministering earlier on in Luke chapter 8. He'd been preaching the parables and teaching the disciples and that. And uh, preaching does make you sleep well at the end, afterwards. It doesn't make you sleep well before, I tell you, but (laughs) afterwards you do. And the Lord Jesus was in a heavy sleep he, he fell into that sleep on that boat and uh, it's really it's a little bit like jonah asleep in the storm you remember except it's a role reversal jonah was asleep in sin jesus was asleep in the peace of god knowing that his life and the life of the disciples was being watched over by his heavenly father god hadn't sent the lord jesus christ to be drowned in the lake of galilee He'd sent him to die on the cross for our sins and therefore when the Lord Jesus knew it was the will of God to go to the other side even knowing a storm was ahead he was able to be at peace and rest in the middle of that storm. Spurgeon said this they slumber sweetly whom faith rocks to sleep no pillows so soft as promise the Lord Jesus had faith in his father's command and will and that's an example for you and I to follow as well. Even when the boat was being swamped, and the word swamp there means it was being filled, coming in. The water was coming in at that time. They were in, um, they were in great danger, no understatement. He was still comfortably asleep in the midst of the storm. And that was an example that he was giving to his disciples for what was ahead. Because actually, what we have here is what was going to happen at at the end of his ministry on earth uh, when he was taken down from the cross and he slept for three days and nights in the tomb. He was still in control when he was asleep, even when he was awake. And he was in the hand of God. So they needed to learn that lesson now. Things were going to get bumpy later as well. And he was able to rest his head down in peace and go forward. A lady said to D.L. Moody once, I have found a wonderful promise. And she quoted Psalm 56 verse 3. What time I am afraid or when I am afraid, as we would say in English, I will trust in thee. And D.L. Moody looked at her and said, well, let me give you a better one. He said, Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust And not be afraid. That's a wonderful verse to take in the heart. And that's how the Lord Jesus lived. As an example for you and me. Third thing we see here. Is the sovereign savior. And this is where we come to the heart. Of this text. Because the disciples in verse 24. Went and woke him. Saying master. Master. We're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. The sovereign Savior is seen in the fact that the disciples came to wake him in the midst of the disaster. Now, dear friends, you may think, well, that's the right thing to do, because... Jesus is the one who has the power to solve the problem. And you and I both know that. In fact, in their heads, in their theology, they knew it as well. The word they used, master, here, and they use it twice, interestingly, because in the Bible, uh, you have this thing called the double calls of God, where God calls Samuel, Samuel or Abraham, Abraham, the double calls of God. It's a great study. Well, here you have the double call of man (laughs) to God, and they say, master, master. And the Greek word is a word that means the one who's in charge. It's not the word that's normally used for a teacher or a rabbi, did Ascalon. It's the word epistate, which means the one who is in charge of everything. Now, they knew that in their theology, but they didn't really know it. In their hearts because they said master master we're going to drown they weren't staying saying lord jesus stand up and stop this storm they say you ought to be as afraid as we are because this storm is going to drown us all they were in terrible fear and yet the lord jesus was in total control and it says he got up and by the way that alone is remarkable standing in a boat is difficult isn't it have you ever tried that maybe don't but uh you know it is a very difficult thing especially in a storm and these fishing boats weren't very big and uh, he stood up in the storm in the boat and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and his power was such that the storm subsided immediately the winds dropped and it says and all was calm other gospels say that even the waters went still Now that's a phenomenal thing because whenever you see a storm afterwards, it takes a long time for the waters to settle down, doesn't it? But when Christ spoke and said, Be still, it was still and everything was calmed down. And the Lord Jesus said, Where is your faith? And he wanted his disciples to think about the fact that their faith wasn't as strong as they thought it was. It had gone overboard in the storm and they needed to build their faith up in the facts of him. Well, you and I need to do the same. He is the sovereign savior. He's sovereign over creation. And I love this because this is one of the miracles you will never find a clever magician repeating. You know, you find clever magicians doing sleight-of-hand tricks, and they they make out that they can do the things that Jesus did. Uh, Like Paul Daniels used to say, and you see people like Dynamo walking on water, apparently. Uh, He's walking on glass underneath the water uh, and stuff like that. And they say, well, there you go. You see, Jesus just did those sort of things. I've never seen a magician stop a storm and make everything go calm. That's, a, that's, that's uh, something only sovereignty can do, something only omnipotence can do. And that's what the Lord Jesus did in this situation. He totally stopped the so- storm, showing his sovereign power. And that's where you and I need to rest our faith as well. You know, in uh, the great heat wave that's taking place across the world at the moment, there's uh, going to be a lot of people cooling themselves down. And one of the things they do in America is they open up the fire hydrants so the kids can play in the water in the streets to cool down. But if you take that power of all that water and focus it, you get a spray that could knock a child from one end of the road to the other. It's very powerful when it's focused. And that's what you and I need to do with our faith. We need to focus our faith on the Sovereign Lord and put our trust in him. The Reverend William Gale was the principal of of Brainerd Indian School in Hot Springs, South Dakota. And uh, I read this wonderful story uh, about him. Uh, in a magazine recently, uh, in Turning Points magazine, uh, it, it said that the furnace had to be replaced in the girls' dormitory. Knowing the girls were cold, Gail made this a matter of earnest prayer. He grew so burdened that he prayed into the night. And between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning, he took a pencil and a square and went into the girl's dorm and marked out a rectangular area. He asked God for a furnace to fit the hole. The next day, he told his carpenters to saw and frame the space. Now, they suggested he wait until a furnace was found. But finally, they did as he requested. Later that morning, a man drove up in a pickup truck containing a gas furnace he wanted to donate to the school. Taking it to the dorm, they were amazed to find it fitted perfectly into the hole. Isn't that amazing? Now that's a man who had his faith in the right place and God was leading him. And that's an example for you and me. And The time when we need to do that most is the time when it's hardest, when we're in difficulties. Charles Spurgeon, in his book, John Plowman's Talk, said this, Let it never be forgotten that when a man is down, he has a grand opportunity for trusting God. A false faith can only float in smooth water, but true faith, like a lifeboat, is at home in storms. If our religion does not bear us up in time of trial, What is the use of it? If we cannot believe God when our circumstances appear to be against us, we do not believe him at all. We trust a thief as far as we can see him. Shall we dare to treat our God in that same fashion? No, no, the Lord is good and he will yet appear for his servants and we shall praise his name. So let's be people of faith in the sovereign savior sometimes he does still the storm we see that in the book of acts how god sovereignly steps in in many situations we think of the storm that took place in ephesus when paul was preaching there and a riot broke out and the people were filling the street and filling the auditorium calling for artemis of the ephesians to be honored instead of the other god and it looked like a storm nobody could stop And one one person after another tried to stop it until God sent the right person in. And they were all dismissed and the whole thing came to nothing. God was able to still the storm and sometimes he can still our storms too. But as a wise person once said, sometimes God stills the storm, sometimes God stills his servants and we need to trust him to give us the peace that we need sometimes to endure patiently the things the lord calls us to go through he is in charge he's still in charge over the storm as much afterwards as much as um, sorry as much before as he was after he stilled it the final thing we see here is the surprising savior in verse 25 in the last part it says in fear and amazement they ask one another who is this he commands even the winds and the water to obey him this was a great moment for the disciples they had seen the lord jesus do many miracles Uh, mal couch said this the disciples had seen the lord cast out demons heal and even raise the dead but experiencing firsthand his authority and instant command over nature was quite something else. The power reflected his deity. The Son of God had the same control over the elements as his Father. And that well sums up the reality. Because when they saw the Lord Jesus still the storm, it says it, they were in fear and amazement now they were frightened before they were even more frightened afterwards about who was in the boat with them than the storm that was out of the boat because they realized they were in the presence of the living god who is this who controls commands even the winds and the water and they obey him You know, if you were to go through the scriptures, Psalm 65, uh, verse 7, Psalm 107, 29, Psalm 89, verse 9, you would find that it is said again and again in the Old Testament that it is the Lord who stills the storm and stills the waves. Well, here, the Lord Jesus did what God is said to do. And they came to realize very clearly, Jesus is God. This was the great surprise for them all along. Up until this point, they had certainly believed he was the Messiah. They believed he was the Master. But he is God. He is God. You know, I remember taking a Bible study with a man and his family who were interested. They were coming to our church once uh, in, in the first church I pastored. And uh, he, he said, uh, we want to know more. He said, could you come and do a little Bible study for us? I, I said, love to. And we, and we went round and we sat in the living room and we opened up John's gospel. And I said, this is a good place to start. And we started at verse one. Uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And I explained to him that the the word was a title for the Lord Jesus. And it it shows us that Jesus was with God in the beginning. And the word was God. And he got it. Mm -hmm. He got it. He looked at me and he said. And it was a shock. He'd been coming to our church for over a year. And he'd heard, I'd preached the deity of Christ again and again and again. But in that living room, it was the first time the penny sank in. And he dropped. And he, he looked at me and he said. Are you telling me you really honestly believe Jesus Christ is God in a human body? And I said, yes, now you're getting it. And sadly, he looked at me and said, well, I can't believe that. And that was the last time he came to the church. It was such a shock to him to hear that that's what Christians really believe. But it is, it's what the Bible shows us and the Lord Jesus displayed his power uh, as a way only God could so that we could put our trust in him. And I want to say that's the only place for us to find hope for all of life's challenges. William Gladstone once said this, he said, all I write and all I think and all I hope is based upon the divinity of our Lord. The one central hope Of our poor wayward race. And I think he's absolutely right. It's the sovereign savior. Who is the divine savior. Who surprises us. And we need to put our faith in him. So if you're in a storm this morning. If you're going through difficulties. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ he is in control i know it's hard to say it's easy to say and hard to do but may god give you the grace to be able to do that and cling on and trust to him and look to him focus your faith on his sovereignty and say lord i don't understand how this is going to work out but i know you're in charge and the bible tells us in romans 8:28 all things work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose And that can only be a true verse if God is in charge of all things and that makes him sovereign. So put your faith in him and uh, the savior of the sea. As the hymn said, he's the master of the sea, winds and waves he commands will help you. Let's sing.